Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1952-1953 season. Uh, this episode is a redone episode that they uh, had originally done in 1944, and now we're revisiting it. Uh, what is that, like eight years later? Um, to, to us, you know, we, we may have just heard this episode a couple years ago, but just for the way I run the podcast. But in reality, uh, like I say, eight years had gone by. I mean, how many people remember an episode from eight years previous that was aired once and disappeared? For us, we have it in our collections or whatever, so it makes it more obvious. Um, I don't really, especially with Jack's shows, I don't really have too much of a problem with him repeating ideas that came before, because usually even when he repeats a script, he will make some changes, modernize it, update it. Maybe it'll just take the, he'll have the same skit, but the beginning section, the first 15 minutes will be different, or the first 15 minutes will be the same, but but the skit will be different. Usually there's there's some changes that happen now. As we get further and further into the Jack Benny show here, of the 19... You know, in 1953, 1954, 1955, uh, you'll see more and more often that um, an entire episode is is a complete repeat, that sort of thing. I guess to me, the most uh, obvious of this, the most egregious of, of these times, is one of my very favorite episodes is with Jimmy Stewart and where he uh, comes to the um, Brown Derby and meets uh, up with Jack and ends up getting um, his his suit spilled on and so forth. And I believe that episode is redone with, like, I want to say Eddie Cantor or someone like that, and uh, virtually verbatim, it's the same. And it's just a couple years, a couple or three years after the original and I don't know. I just think when if you're gonna have a guest star come on your show, create something new for them to do. I mean, it's so exciting to hear these stars together that you want that you really want to hear. At least I want to hear something new. Um, and often people would do this with Jack uh, when Jack appeared on any Eddie Cantor's show. He appeared on there a few years. I want to say maybe three times that he came on. They gave him the exact same script. And uh, I don't know, if I was Jack, I think I'd be offended by that or, or upset by that. I'd be going, well, you're having me on your show, and yet you won't write a new script. You you keep having me do the same thing over and over again. Uh, I would think that would be frustrating. And the same thing goes with Phil Harris's show. They had Jack on there as Santa Claus for a few years in a row and uh, virtually identical scripts each time. And, and so that was, um, I would think could be kind of frustrating, but maybe Jack it didn't bother, I don't know, but as a listener it's kind of frustrating, you're going, oh, they got Jack on here, do something with him, do something different uh, and then the amazing thing is when uh, Jack doesn't come on there, uh, and they actually replace Jack uh, as Santa Claus with um, Andy Devine but they don't change any of the lines, I mean it stays written for Jack, but Andy Devine performs it. That is just really weird. <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, enough of my rant on that, but uh, enjoy tonight's episode. Uh, I did get an email from Fred, and Fred uh, asked for me to give him uh, to give him my address so he can make a donation. That's awesome, Fred. Thank you. And for anybody else who wants uh, that information, just email me at buckbennyotr at gmail.com because we're still trying to raise enough money to, to fund our podcast for another year. But Fred raised a question. He wanted to know kind of the background of how I got into this and so forth. And he asked if if I was uh, related to uh, Jack Benny. And it's no, no, I'm not related to Jack Benny. My name's not even Buck Benny. I, I use that. That's my um, kind of my nickname I go by. I just kind of liked the name that, that Jack would use for the character Buck Benny. And so I just kind of grabbed that and used it. Um, yesterday's episode is kind of funny because it has a double intro, one that I recorded years ago and the one I just recorded uh, the other day. And um, the one from years ago, I wasn't even going by Buck Benny. That's so long ago, so early in the podcast run that I was going by uh, Dr. Pepper, which is um, a nickname I had on one of the uh, uh, forums that I go to, one of the message boards. But I, I, I later came up with Buck Benny and just liked that and stuck with it. Originally, when I was doing the Buck Benny character, he was uh, uh, for my Western shows. And so he'd introduce them and it'd be that whole, uh, I can't remember what his voice was, but it was like an old prospector sort of voice. Well, this is Buck Benny again, another uh, exciting adventure out West, that sort of thing. And then uh, I just liked the nickname, so I just kept it and used my own voice with it. Um, I've been doing this, my podcast now, I think it's like five years. It's been quite a while. Uh, And I just, it slowly morphed into this thing that it is now. I started doing, you know, introducing, I think, one show a week to begin with, and then a couple shows a week, and then... And went to three, and then people said they liked my introductions, so I just kept doing more and until it became basically where I'm doing seven shows a week. And my whole concept here, uh, really, I, and I don't get into this very much, but but my my wish is to do an introduction for every Jack Benny show ever, and sort of uh, being tied into. Uh, the greatest comedian in history in that way that no one else has ever done introductions to all the Jack Benny shows there you know the 700 800 shows whatever there are um, and uh, and we're more than halfway there so um, you know I'm pretty excited about that that's a pretty cool thing and then the other shows I just introduce ones every every once in a while it seems like I do a lot I do a lot of Bing Crosby introductions, a lot of Fred Allen introductions, and then everybody else is kind of sporadic. Just whenever there's a episode I really want to focus on. The other reason I don't do some of the other ones is is I don't uh, know enough trivia and things about the show to keep doing a, a podcast that I think would be interesting enough. So that's kind of how that plays out. Um, the other thing I expose about me that I've shared before is I, uh, I work uh, at both elementary schools and middle schools, 
as a counselor and a teacher sometimes. It just depends. And right now, I'm excited because I'm doing a, I'm just starting up a podcasting club for middle schoolers where I'm going to teach them how to do podcasts. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, that's enough about me. Enjoy this episode of Jack Benny. If anybody has any questions about me, email me. Maybe I'll do it as a podcast. Maybe I'll just answer your question on the email. But um, And thank you so much to everyone who's given support to this podcast and who's uh, emailed me and, and asked me questions and had contact with me. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun to do. And we'll see you next time. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike. Lucky's taste better. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky, 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 lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Better get a carton, better get a carton, better get a carton today. Hello, friends. This is Don Wilson. You know, that college chair represents a lot of smoking chair on campuses all over the country. Yes, indeed. Because a nationwide survey based on actual student interviews in 80 leading colleges reveals that more smokers in these colleges prefer Lucky's than any other cigarette. But that's not all. The survey also shows Lucky's gained far more smokers than the nation's two other principal brands combined. More important still, the reason most often given by the students for smoking Lucky's was... Lucky's better taste. Yes, Lucky's do taste better because LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Fine, mild, good tasting tobacco. And Lucky's are made better, made round and firm and fully packed to taste cleaner, fresher, smoother. So make your next carton Lucky Strike, and you'll agree Lucky's better taste is something to cheer about. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Clean. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. gentlemen, Los Angeles is so proud of its civic beauty that the local Chamber of Commerce supplies visiting tourists with free sightseeing buses. So let's take a tour on one of these buses and see what it's like. Well, here we are in Beverly Hills. <laughs> on the left, ladies and gentlemen, is the residence of that very fine dramatic actor, Lionel Barrymore. And to the right is the home of none other than Gary Cooper. Gee, Gary Cooper, I could sure go for him. Hey, remember, Popsy, we're on our honeymoon. Yeah, we've been married two days already. Nearly three days. Quiet, Mama, or we'll send you home. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are now in the heart of Beverly Hills, which has more movie stars per square mile than any other community. Oh, look, look, there's Trigger. That's my wife. She got one of those new hairdos. <laughs> and now we're turning into Beverly Drive. At the moment, we're passing the home of Johnny Ray. 
Look, that's Johnny sitting on the porch laughing. This is his day off. Gee, imagine the home of Johnny Ray. Yeah, look at the little white cloud over it. <laughs> and now, folks, if you look to the right, you'll see Barbara Stanwyck's house. And next to it is the residence of Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. And next to that is the home of Jack Benny. Uh, this is where I get off, driver. <laughs> Stop the bus. Did you stow away again? <laughs> Never mind. Stop the bus. Watch your step getting off. Thank you. Forget the thanks. I don't want you to get hurt and sue the company again. <laughs> oh, quiet. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we leave Beverly Hills and drive out to Santa Monica. Yes, folks, beautiful Santa Monica. <laughs> Anything I hate, it's a smart aleck bus driver. When you say I beg your pardon, then I'll come back to you. When you ask me to forgive you, I'll read. Can't you hear me calling when the rain and I'm a falling? <laughs> Gee, was I surprised when we... So surprised when we passed Barbara Stanwyck's house. She's still using those same old curtains. Hmm. Hello, Rochester. Hello, boss. You're a little late. Yeah. That bus must have gone to Santa Monica first today. <laughs> no, no, we came right to Beverly Hills. Any mail, Rochester? No, but Miss Luella Parsons called. Luella Parsons? Yeah, she wants to get an interview about your career in radio and television. Well. And pictures. Pictures, too? I talked her into that. <laughs> good, good. Then is she coming over for the interview? I told her this evening would be okay. This evening? Rochester, Luella can't come over tonight. I invited my gang for dinner. That's good, boss. Good? What do you mean, good? Be a big shot. Tell her you're giving the dinner in her honor. Say, gee, you know, Rochester, you really think fast. I wouldn't last long around here if I didn't. <laughs> well, you go in the kitchen, get things started, and then I... Come in! Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. The gang get here yet? Not yet, but guess what? Luella Parsons is coming over tonight to interview me. She is? Yeah. Gee, Mary, I want everything to be just right when Luella gets here. Rochester, don't forget to put flowers on the table. Yes, sir. And go down to the cellar and bring up some wine. The cheap wine or the imported stuff from Cougamonga? <laughs> the imported wine, of course. Gee, Mary, imagine Luella Parsons coming to interview me. Hope everything goes along all right. Oh, 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 oh Rochester. Uh-huh. Don't forget to put flowers on the table. I'm putting them. I'm putting them. Oh. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Jack, what are you so nervous about? I'm not nervous. Then stop running your fingers through your hair. Put it on and relax. <laughs> Jack, the curl goes in front. It's not a curl. That's the loop I hang it up with. After all, there's nothing wrong with being neat, you know. That loop is supposed to be in back. Well, tuck it in. You look like Fu Manchu. Fu Manchu, Fu Manchu. They might have a May company in China, too. You know. Look, Mary, you... 
See, I'm hot tonight. <laughs> you can stop with the jokes now. Luella Parks is coming over, and I want to make a good impression. Well, Jack, if you really want to impress her, when she comes in, compliment her. Compliment her? Yes, tell her how nice she looks and that she's so much thinner than you thought she was. Women like to hear that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, Jack, I can't understand why you're so excited. Didn't Luella interview you a few weeks ago? Yes, Mary. She wrote an article that appeared in a fan magazine about my 20 years in radio. Was it a nice article? Well, to tell you the truth, Mary, I never got a chance to read it. Well, what are you going to do if Luella asks you about it? I'll just have to change the subject, that's all. Anyway, I want... Oh, I just thought of something. Rochester! Huh? Uh, put some flowers on the table. <laughs> Boss, what are you going to do with Miss Parsons' feet or a barrier? <laughs> Smart. And do what I tell you. Now, Mary, come on out in the kitchen and help me get things ready. Whoops! That must be Luella now. Oh, Jack, it's too early for her. Oh, yes, yes. Come in! Oh. Oh, hello, Dennis. Come on in. Hello, Mr. Benny. Hello, Mary. Hello, Dennis. Dennis, I'm glad you came a little early because I wanted to. When do we eat? That's what I wanted to talk to you about. Now, look, Dennis, I don't want you pulling any silly stuff tonight. We're having Luella Parsons for dinner. You promised us roast beef. <laughs> Dennis, we are having roast beef. Luella Parsons is the guest of honor. The way prices are today, the roast beef should be the guest of honor. You said it. Now, look, Dennis... <laughs> That's a great line I had, wasn't it? You said it. I like those sporty lines. You know? Now look, Dennis, when Luella gets here, I think it would be nice if you sing a song. Not me. Now, Dennis, don't be silly. If you sing for her, she might say something nice about you in her column. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. What? I can just see the headline now. Dennis thrills Luella. Look, kid. If my girl reads that, she'll slap my face. Dennis, unfortunately, nobody's going to slap your face. Now, you're going to sing for Luella, and let me hear the song now. Okay, but if my girl throws me over and marries King Farouk, it'll be your fault. Mary. Dennis, sing. Thanks.
it's only my poor heart you hear, and it's applause because you're a mine. I only know for as long as I may you to sing it just that way when Miss Parson gets here. It'll be... Oh, oh, I just thought of something. Rochester! I'm putting them! I'm putting them! <laughs> I didn't mean that. Look, Rochester, about dessert tonight. Dessert? Yes, I'd like to have crepe Suzette. So would I, but we're having canned peaches. <laughs> Why can't we have crepe Suzette? Don't you know how to make them? Oh, I know how to make them all right, but we have no brandy. Wait a minute. What happened to those three bottles of brandy my sponsor gave me for Christmas? When Phil Harris came over to say goodbye, he drank a quick toast. <laughs> how do you like that? Whoops, that must be Luella now. All right, Jack, now don't get excited. Who's excited? Rochester, answer the phone. I mean the door, the door. Uh, wait a minute, Jack. It'll make a better impression on Luella if you answer it and be charming and gracious. I will. I'll even bow. I'm coming. Coming. <laughs> Welcome to my humble abode. Hey, what are you looking for, Jack? Did you drop something? <laughs> huh? Oh, Bob. Oh, Bob. Don, the sportsman. Come on in, everybody. Oh, hello, Hi, Jack. Jack. Hello, hello, Mary. <laughs> Well, this is quite a coincidence, all you guys arriving at the same time. Well, Jack, I got here about ten minutes ago, but I was out in the backyard looking at your swimming pool. My swimming pool? Why? Well, I've been thinking about... Have put, I've been thinking of having one put in myself. <laughs> they have. about it, Bob. We've been doing that for years. <laughs> Boy, I really think. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I've been thinking of having one put in myself, and I thought maybe I could pick up a few pointers on it. Oh, that's... Oh, yours. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I'm we'll glad... get off of this show Tuesday. <laughs> Nice, Bob. 
swimming pool. What size swimming pool are you going to put in? Well, just a normal size, 20 by 40. I don't think I can afford a big one like you or, or like my brother Bing's. Well, my pool is pretty big. It's 60 by 100. How big is Bing's pool? Well, I don't know, but next week's Florence Chadwick is going to try to swim it. <laughs> Jack, what I want to know about is the upkeep. Is it very expensive to maintain a swimming pool? Well, not too expensive, but there are certain costs that most people forget. That's what I've been trying to tell you, Bob. Pool 20 by 40 <laughs> requires about 40,000 gallons of water. Oh, I don't have to worry about that. I'm filling my pool with Campbell's soup. Mm. <laughs> what? You haven't lived till you've jackknifed into a whole pool full of chicken gumbo. <laughs> <laughs> If a guy goes down for the third time, he can get fat. <laughs> look, fellas, look. Before I forget, I want you all to behave yourself tonight because Luella Parsons is coming here to dinner. She's going to interview me. Well, Jack, I thought she gave you an interview just a couple of weeks ago. She did, and that's what I want to talk to you about. She did a big interview on me for a fan magazine. I didn't get a chance to read it. So she mentions it. Please change the subject. Okay. In fact, a good idea would be not to talk about me at all. Get, you know, get on some other subject. Let's talk about politics. Everybody's talking politics now. Politics? Yes, for instance, Adlai Stevenson. <laughs> Adlai Stevenson just visited Los Angeles, and, uh, well, Eisenhower had a birthday party down in Texas. You know, we can talk about that. By the way, how old is General Eisenhower? He's 62. 62, huh? And Senator Nixon is 39. That's right. Gee, Mr. Benny, what a coincidence. Yeah. You and Eisenhower are the same age. <laughs> we are not. Now, look, everybody, please remember that any time Luella brings up that fan magazine article she wrote about me, change the subject. Oh, Jack, stop worrying. Now, Dennis, don't forget, when Luella gets here, I want you to sing that song. Okay. Say, Jack, the Sportsman Quartet and I have been rehearsing a song we were going to do on the show. Would you like us to entertain Luella, too? Say, that would be kind of nice. What number did you prepare, Bob? Well, we could let you hear it now. Come on, guys, let's sing it for him. I fell in love with you the first time I looked into them there eyes. You've got a certain little cute way of flirting with them there eyes. They make me feel happy. They make me blue. No stolen, I'm falling, going in a big way for sweet little you. My heart is jumping, you sure started something with them there eyes. You'd better watch them if you're wise. They sparkle, they bubble, they're gonna get you in a whole lot of trouble. You're overworking them, there's danger lurking in them there eyes. In love with you, first puff, we ever drew. Lucky strike. You are the perfect blend, that's why we recommend Lucky strike. November, December, the whole year through. There's nothing beats puffin', puffin' on a lucky, no other will do. I know a thing about so I can sing about Lucky strikes. They have a taste that you will like. Mmm, good. All others forswear them. You'll know the reason if you tear and compare them. The, the finest cigarette you're ever gonna get. Lucky, lucky strike. 
wonderful, Bob, and I'm glad you and the boys thought of it. And Luella will love her. Coming, coming. <laughs> oh, darn it. Rochester had to leave that footstool in the middle of the hall. Well, get up and the loop goes in back. <laughs> I'm coming, coming Jack, don't forget to tell her that she's much thinner than you thought she was I'll tell her, I'll tell her <laughs> Well, Luella Parsons, what a surprise Hello, Jack Well, come in, Luella I would have been here sooner, but the bus went to Santa Monica first <laughs> oh, yes, yes uh, Say, Luella, don't put this in your column But when you passed Barbara Stanwyck's house Did you notice those curtains? Oh, yes, I have the same kind in my house Well, aren't they lovely? <laughs> Come on in, Luella, I want you to meet my gang Right this way, they're in the other room <laughs> Oh, darn that footstool Well, don't stand there, pick me up <laughs> Oh, yes, yes, I'm sorry, Luella Hey, fellas, I got a surprise for you Luella Parsons Hello, everybody Hello, Luella, come in Yep, she's here for an interview how are you, Luella? I haven't seen you for a long time I'm just fine, Mary, just fine Well, you look wonderful Doesn't she, Jack? Huh? <laughs> Doesn't she look wonderful, Jack? Huh? Uh, oh, yes, yes You know, Luella, you're not nearly as fat as I thought you were I mean, well, you, you really look very slender That's because she's standing next to Don Wilson <laughs> Dennis, behave yourself Luella, you know, you know everybody here, don't you? Oh, yes, of course I do Oh, Bob, by the way, you're new on Jack's show, aren't you? That's right, Luella, this is my first season Say, how do you like working for Jack? Oh, it's wonderful Such a happy gang We're always laughing At rehearsals we laugh During the show we laugh when we get our checks, we laugh <laughs> Yes, yes When we try to cash them, we get hysterical <laughs> Maybe, please By the way, Luella, when is this interview When is this interview you're giving me going to appear in print? Huh? Next week But first I'll tell all about it on my Luster Cream Shampoo program Tuesday night on the CBS Radio Network Oh, then you can do me a big favor, Luella Would you mention that next Sunday, November 2nd I'm going to do another television show See, Dinah Shore is going to be my guest star And we're going to do Buck Benny Rides Again You know, Jack, anything I can do for you I'm glad to oh, I'll mention you. it Thank you Now, is there anything else you want to know, Luella? Yeah, when do we eat? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I almost forgot about dinner I didn't I know, I know <laughs> Come on, everybody, let's go in the dining room. Everybody, we're going to eat. 
Now, sit, sit right here, Luella. Uh, let me fill up your plate. Some roast beef, some green peas, and some mashed potatoes. Oh, thank you. I just love mashed potatoes. Uh, by the way, Jack, how did you like the magazine article I wrote about you a few weeks ago? Did you like what Here, I well, said? I have some more mashed potatoes. They're delicious. Oh, thank you, Jack. Uh, did you read uh, the Here, Luella, uh, have some more mashed potatoes. Oh, thank you, Mary. Now, as I was saying, I wrote a magazine article about Jack, which appeared in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> I mean, fan magazine. Mashed potato? Oh, sure, Luella. Here, have all you want. Now, Jack, the main purpose of tonight's interview is to get your reactions to television. My reactions to television? Yes. Television is more difficult for the actors than radio. Now, isn't it, Jack? Oh, that's right, Luella. It is. Television is very demanding. You see, an actor has to rehearse for hours. Then he has to shave as closely as possible. And then the makeup... You don't know what they have to go through makeup. The, the makeup department spends an hour putting a base on them. Then the first layer of makeup. Then the second layer of makeup. Then they tweeze your eyebrows and rouge your lips. All that just to be squirted in the face with a seltzer bottle? <laughs> oh, it's murder, you know? Well, I'll make some notes of this for my new article. By the way, Jack, getting back to the other article I did about you, did you read... Here, Luella, have some more mashed potatoes. <laughs> oh, that was very thoughtful of you, Don, wasn't it, Luella? Luella? Luella, where are you? Right over here behind the mashed potatoes. <laughs> oh, well, dig a hole in the middle so I can see you. <laughs> there, that's better. Now, Luella, rather than just having you ask me a lot of questions, I'll give you a brief story of my life. All right, Jack, go right ahead. <clears throat> now, I was born in Waukegan, Illinois. After graduating grammar school, I took an interest in music. Later, I went to Chicago, where I studied the violin under Hugo Korchak at the Chicago Conservatory of Music. After four years of intensive study, my professor took a personal interest in me and arranged for my first appearance... Ah, at... shut up! <laughs> Uh, from that time on, Luella, my career grew by leaps and bounds. In 1934, I was lured to Hollywood and Pictures, where I made Broadway Mallory, Hollywood, Hollywood Review, and To Be or Not To Be. And Jack, uh, didn't you make a picture called Man About Town? Yes, Luella. Then I made George Washington Slept Here, Lost Horizon, Gone with the Wind, A World in His Arms, The Snows of Kilimanjaro, Francis Goes to Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga, The Thief, Ivanhoe, the Great Caruso, Sudden Fear, Somebody Like and <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow, October 27th, is Navy Day. So let's join the Navy League of the United States in paying grateful tribute to the heroes of the Navy, both living and dead. Thank you. Jack, we'll be back in just a moment, but first... Lucky taste better. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky, 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 lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Better get a carton, better get a carton, better get a carton today. You may not cheer right out loud like that when you first try Lucky's. You may only whisper, Ah, Lucky's do taste better. 
And I'd like to tell you why. Lucky's Better Taste begins with fine, mild, good-tasting tobacco. L.S., M.F.T., Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Then, too, Lucky's are made better, round, firm, fully packed, to taste cleaner, fresher, smoother. No wonder so many college students are cheering about Lucky's Better Taste. You see, a recent nationwide survey based on actual student interviews in 80 leading colleges reveals that more smokers in these colleges prefer Lucky's than any other cigarette, and by a wide margin. In addition, Lucky's gained far more smokers than the nation's two other principal brands combined. And the number one reason the students gave for smoking Lucky's was better taste. So enjoy Lucky's better taste yourself. Get a cleaner, fresher, smoother smoke. Yes, be happy. Go Lucky. Make your next carton Lucky Strike. Be happy, go lucky, go lucky strike today. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Luella Parsons for appearing on my program tonight. Next Sunday, I'll be doing my second television show of the season, which will go on immediately after my radio show. I hope you'll all be listening and looking. Good night, everybody. Jack Benny program is written by Sam Perrin, Milt Josephsberg, George Balzer, John Packaberry, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. Stay tuned for the Amos and Andy Show, which follows immediately over the CBS radio network. Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents Transcribed, the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. For your enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. There comes a time in every girl's life when she goes to her father for advice. But when her father happens to be Phil Harris, this can become very involved. More about that later. First, a word from RCA Victor. There's not much time before we vote for the next president. Only nine days, to be exact. But it's time enough to buy new RCA Victor television so you can watch the telecast of this important event. And on election night, as on any night, if there's a picture in the air, you'll get it best if you own RCA Victor Television Deluxe. The 21-inch Suffolk console, for example, has an extra reserve of power for performance plus wherever you live. And, like all new RCA Victor Television, the Suffolk has the magic monitor circuit system that acts like an engineer inside your set. The magic monitor screens out static automatically, steps up power automatically, and automatically ties the best sound to the clearest picture. Unmatched in performance, the colonial-style Suffolk Deluxe with its full-length doors is unmatched in beauty, too. For the ultimate in television quality, choose the beautiful 21-inch Suffolk console. It's RCA Victor Television Deluxe. See it at your dealers tomorrow. In fact, see the entire line of new RCA Victor Television. Prices start as low as $199.95. And remember, when you select RCA Victor Television, buy an RCA Victor factory service contract for expert installation and service.
Now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Today is a big day in the life of little Alice Harris. She's having her first date and going to her first dance. Her mother has bought her a new dress for the occasion, and as we look in, she's just put it on to show her mother how it looks. Mother, mother, look at me. How do I look in my new party dress? Oh, adorable, honey. You look so grown up and... Wait a minute. What have you got on your face? Makeup. I'm wearing lipstick, rouge, mascara, and eyeshadow. Now, you go right upstairs and take all that stuff off. A pretty young girl like you doesn't need makeup. Then why do you wear it? You're young and pretty. Oh, well, well I, I wear it to make me look older. Oh. <laughs> you know, otherwise people would go around saying your daddy married a child bride. Now, now take that goo off before your father sees you. He's inside having breakfast, and if he ever... Alice! Out... Alice! What is it, Phil? There's no more cream for my coffee. Oh. Well, open a bottle of milk. Okay. Where's the corkscrew? <laughs> Mother, did you tell Daddy about my going to the dance tonight? No, no, not yet. He still thinks of you as a baby, and he's liable to make a big fuss about you going out on your first date. And he'll never let you go if he sees your face like that. Well, you have enough rouge smeared all over to... Oh, that certainly was a good breakfast. Hiya, honey. I really enjoy... How do you do, miss? <laughs> I always like... Alice, hmm? who's the short burlesque queen? <laughs> don't you recognize me, Daddy? Look, lady, don't call me Daddy in front of my... <laughs> Trying to get me killed or something? <laughs> I don't know you. Phil, you never saw her before? No, honey. I'll admit I hung around the stage door once or twice, but I was just selling flowers during the summer layoff. And I had... Phil, this is your daughter, Alice. Alice? You mean little Alice? How'd she get hurt? Where'd she get all that blood on her cheeks? Father, that's not blood, it's rouge. I put it on to make my face rosy. You'd better take it off, or that ain't going to be the only part of you that's Honey, don't yell at her. She just thought she'd put some on to wear at the school dance tonight. You see, she's having her first date. Date? With a man? And what a man. He's blonde, he's four foot six. And he weighs 87 pounds Oh, no She's got a date with Mickey Rooney <laughs> She has a date with a boy her own age Little Johnny Wilkins You know the Wilkins family Oh, yeah <laughs> Yes, we've met at a few cocktail parties <laughs> He's in the clothing business, isn't he? <laughs> the world's largest manufacturer of vest pockets. <laughs> no, Mr. Wilkins is an attorney, and his son is a very nice boy. I don't care. He's not going out with my daughter. Why, she's just a little child, a 
A mere baby, only ten years old. I'll get that. My little Alice going out with a boy. I can't bear the thought of it. Hi, Curly. Oh, it's you. Come in. Shut the door. Give me your hat. I'm in. The door's shut. I ain't got no hat. <laughs> What's the matter with you? Oh, Elliot, I'm a miserable man. I know, but I like you anyway. <laughs> What's wrong? Little Alice is going out on a date tonight with a young man. She's going to a dance tonight with a boy. No kidding. Little Alice is going out on a first date, huh? Oh, gee, Curly, that's cute. What's cute about it? You're not a father. You don't know how I feel. Don't you realize I'm losing my little baby? Seems like yesterday that she used to crawl into the living room, jump up on my lap, put her chubby little paws around my neck and lick my... No, that was the dog. <laughs> But I do remember the time that little Alice sat up in bed and said, Daddy, will you get me a bottle of beer? No. <laughs> no, that was Big Alice. <laughs> no, no. No, she don't drink. Beer. <laughs> Wait a minute, did you ever sleep with me, Elliot? Yes, Daddy Oh <laughs> Look, I, I can't let her go out, Elliot She's too young she, She's only ten How old were you when you first went out? Well, that's different I was eleven <laughs> But we lived in the hills of Tennessee And you've got to start young down there <laughs> How old was the girl? She was eight, but she was a widow <laughs> Curly, there's nothing wrong with a girl 10 years old going to a school dance with a boy. Maybe not, but look, she's so immature. She, she don't know nothing about life. Well, then have a talk with her. Every father should have a talk with his child. Well, I guess you're right. All right, come on in the other room. I'm going to explain things to my child. Yeah. Now, handle it carefully because you hello, don't... Hello, Elliot. Oh, hello, Alice. And little Alice. Gee, how pretty you look in your new dress. Thanks, Uncle Elliot. I'm going to a dance tonight. Not so fast. Before I give my consent, I want to sit down with you and have a man-to-man -man talk. Phil, she's a girl. Oh. Well, in that case, go out and get me a small boy. <laughs> I only know that man-to-man -man routine. Curly, it's the same thing, only with reverse English. Well, what did you want to talk to me about, Daddy? Um, um, about life. You see, honey, you're a girl, and you're starting to grow up. And you'll find out as you grow up, you get taller. <laughs> oh, if my father had only told me things like that. As I was saying, Alice, you keep growing taller until you become a woman like your mother. And that's when you stop getting taller and start getting wider. 
What are you trying to tell me, Daddy? Well, just this. You're a girl. And the thing you're going out with tonight is a boy. And no matter whether you're a boy or a girl, man or woman, Republican or Democrat, don't forget to vote on November the 4th and sing, Alice, and get me out. People have ever been so in love, been so in love, been so in love. No two people have ever been so in love as my lovely dove and I. No two people have ever moon such a moon, June such a June, spoon such a spoon. No two people have ever been so in tune as my macaroon and I. And when we kiss, and when we kiss, and when we kiss, well, it's like this. Well, it's historical. It's hysterical. Let me tell it. Well, certainly, darling. No two people have ever been so in love, been so in love, been so in love. No two people have ever been so in love as my lovely dove and I. And never again could never anything more romantic, romantic and beautiful be. No people have ever been so in love. Been so in love. Been so in love. Been so in love. It's incredible. No two people have ever been so in love. It's my lovely dove. And this is unique, the positive peak. Oh, we are the most unusual couple on earth. No two people have ever moon such a moon. Such a moon. Such a June. Such a June. What they mean is that no two People have ever been so in tune, so is my macaroon and I. And when we kiss, and when we kiss, and when we kiss, well, it's like this, well, it's historical, it's hysterical. Let me tell well, it. Well, certainly, darling. No two people have ever been so in love, been so in love, been so in love. Been so in love. It's impossible. No two people have ever been so in love, been so as my lovely dove and this. The very extreme, the sort of a dream you couldn't imagine at all. No two people have ever been so in love. Been so as my lovely dove and I. Well, Phil. Now that you've explained all about life to Alice, can she go to the dance tonight? Not yet. Before I give my final consent, I'm going over and have a talk with this boy. But what for? I want to know his intentions. <laughs> I want to know what he's like, what kind of a job he's got. Phil, he hasn't got a job. Hasn't got a job? No. What are they going to do, live with us? <laughs> The boy is 11 years old I don't care I gotta know what kind of a character he is What he does with his time Curly's right For all we know He may be a playboy Sure <laughs> Or he might be a used scooter salesman <laughs> All right, Elliot All right Or worse than that He might be a crooked gambler Who goes around fixing hopscotch games You can stop already 
This is serious. If my daughter's going out with this kid, I've got to find out about him. So come on, you're going with me. We're going over to see this Wilkins boy right now. Hey. Hmm? Hey, this is a nice house this kid lives in. Yeah. At least he's got a little dough. Curly, what are you going to talk to this kid about? I'm going to lay the law down to him. I'll tell him to bring my daughter home early, treat her like a lady, and stuff like that. Yeah. But supposing the kid don't like your attitude and gets tough? That's why I brought you along. <laughs> Between the two of us, we can handle him. Now I'll ring the bell Before and... Before you do. How big is he? Four foot six. Ring the bell. <laughs> We're going to look this kid over carefully. If I don't think he's right for my daughter, he's not going to... Yes? What can I do for you? Are you taking my daughter out tonight? Well, I hadn't planned on it, but if I can get away from my wife, I'd like to. <laughs> Why? Wait a minute. Who are you? Why, Mr. Wilkins. Oh, 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 oh. You're the kid's father. Your size fool me. You're such a short one. I don't think that's nice. I'm not making fun of your size, you big overgrown ox. Look, don't get gay. I don't want to talk to you. I'm here to see your son. Oh, no, you don't. I've seen your type before, and you're not going to get my boy mixed up in your tire-stealing racket. I don't steal tires. What do you steal? Money from radio sponsors Why? What did you two fellas want? I'll tell you what I want Your son has a date with my daughter tonight So send your kid out here And tell him that Phil Harris wants to talk to him Oh, are you Phil Harris? That's right, Shorty Did you ever hear of me on the radio? Yes, and I can't stand you <laughs> That voice of you What's the matter with my voice? I don't know It just makes me nauseous <laughs> Nauseous? Sick to his stomach Oh, oh <laughs> Look, buddy, maybe you don't like my show But I'll bet your wife listens to me Well, I must admit she does yeah. She's been listening to you for years well, How does she like me? I don't know She just sits there with her foot in her mouth And never talks <laughs> Look, Wilkins, I just came here to see your kid I'd rather see the kid's mother Elliot, will you stay? <laughs> Come to think of it, I'd take a short look at that, too <laughs> Look, stay out of this, will you? Look, are you going to let me see your son or aren't you? No, I'm not I don't like your attitude You're not going to see my son and neither is your daughter I'm not going to let him take her out tonight That suits me fine I wouldn't let my daughter go out with your son Goodbye Goodbye Nasty little man I guess I told him off, didn't I? Oh, yeah You loused up your daughter's date very nicely Hey, wait a minute Gee, I never thought of that Now she won't be able to go to dance tonight Oh, Elliot, do you think she'll hate me? I'd recommend it <laughs> It's little Alice's first date and you had I to know, go... I know, I know, I know Poor little kid Gee whiz, I'd give anything if I could find a way out of this. Mm. <laughs> you know, Curly, it's too bad I never got married. If I had, I might have a son your daughter's age, and tonight, 
your daughter could be going out with my boy over my dead body. Elliot, <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do about this? What am I going to tell little Alice? Tell her the truth. Tell her that her stupid father messed up her date. Well, I couldn't do that. I'd rather have somebody put a bullet in my head. How much does the job pay? <laughs> Oh, look, mister, I was all... Grogan! Yeah, yeah, it's you, Harrison. Who's your friend? Well, you know him. He's your pal, Elliot Lewis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't recognize him with his new name. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> now, uh, to get back to business, Harris, uh, what part of the head do you want to be shot in? Oh, now, look, Grogan, I was only kidding. I don't really want to be a shot. A deal is a deal. <laughs> Do a nice, clean job And if your friend wants to get in on it I can do it cheaper I'm running a sale today <laughs> A sale? Yeah, two for the price of one Plus one penny <laughs> Hard to turn down a bargain like that, Curl <laughs> Oh, will you cut it out? I'm in enough trouble Yeah, what kind of trouble? Well, my daughter was going to have her first date tonight And I ruined it you're a real lunkhead, ain't you? <laughs> Look, if that daughter of yours has her heart set on going out tonight, she's gonna go. But the fella she was gonna go out with won't take her. Then I'll get her another guy. Let's see now, there's, uh, light-fingered Louie. He's... <laughs> no, he ain't out yet. <laughs> Grogan, my daughter is just a, a little girl, ten years old. Oh, uh -huh. well, then I'll get her a little boy. Where can I find a clean little boy? He's, uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw one riding a bike around the corner. I'll go over and I'll, uh, I'll uh, talk to him. I'll see you later, Harry. No, Grogan, come back, please. I don't want you Curly. to get no... Curly. Well, I Curly. don't want... Let him go. If he can get your daughter a date, it'll solve your problem. You ought to be grateful. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Gets her a nice date, I will be grateful. Sure. I might even give him a, an autographed copy of my latest record. I happen to have one with me. Would you care to hear it? Oh, I'd love to, but fortunately, we don't have a record player. <laughs> we don't need one. Hmm? Just lie down, and I'll spin it on your nose and play it with my fingernail. <laughs> Let's roll it. Peace of pudding. Peace of pudding, peace of pudding, ha! Peace of pudding, ha! Peace of pudding, go! Peace of pudding in the pot, just nine days old. Well, the patty cake, the patty cake, the baker's man, put it in the oven just as fast as you can. Some likes it hot and some likes it cold, but I likes it in the pot nine days old. Peace of pudding, hot! Peace of pudding, go! Peace of pudding in the pot! Just nine days old Didn't care much about going to school It was all work and no play But when I came home about half past three I'd love to hear my mama say You got a piece of pudding hot Hot pudding A piece of pudding cold Cold pudding A piece of pudding in the pot Hot pudding Just nine days old Nine days old Thank you. 
steak all juicy and brown But I looked on my plate and here's all I found Just a piece of pudding hot Piece of pudding cold Piece of pudding in the pot Just nine days old I don't want ham, I don't want greens There's only one dish that pops my sins It's a piece of pudding hot You got the pot hot pudding Mama said, son, here's 15 cents. Go watch the elephant jump the fence. He jumped so high, he started to fly. We didn't get back till the 4th of July. A piece of pudding hot. We got the pot, pot pudding. Curly, it's been two hours since we left Grogan. I'm afraid he couldn't get a date for little Alice. Well, I guess I'm just going to have to go upstairs and tell her that she can't go to the dance. This is going to be the toughest thing that I ever had to... Come in. I just hate to face her and tell her that I got her... Your troubles are over, Harris. I got your daughter a boyfriend. You did? Oh, Grogan, that's wonderful. Where is he? Right here in his boylap sack. (laughs) (laughs) He put up a fight, you see. I had to keep him quiet. Oh, naturally, (laughs) How do you do, son? How do you feel? Get me out of this sack, you stupid yike! <laughs> I wonder who that could be. Ronald Coleman? No. Tallulah? No, her voice is deeper. Maybe it's Johnny Ray. <laughs> Couldn't be him. The bag ain't wet. <laughs> Could be the Continental or Liberace, or maybe it it's could... It's me, Julius, from the Rutabagas every week. <laughs> Stop playing what's my name and let me out of here. <laughs> Harris, Harris, we'd better let him out. All right, all right, I'll untie it. All right, there, you're out, kid. <laughs> <laughs> what's with you guys? Why are you always trying to kill me? Is there a bounty on me, little hide? <laughs> Julius, why are you so excited? Why am I excited, he says. You can't wait to get your mighty hands on me. If I don't show up at your house, you send your hatchet man out to get me. It was a mistake. I was trying to get a date for my daughter. You got a Shanghai boy's for her? <laughs> What's the matter? She's starting to look like you. <laughs> Look, Julius, I'm not going to stand... Now, don't try to persuade me. Nothing you can say will make me go out with your daughter. Nobody asked you to. The last thing I'd want to see happen to my kid. If she as much as walked out of the door with you, I'd slash my throat. You talk me into it, I'll do it. <laughs> Look, I ain't going to... Don't let... stand there, Max. Start slashing. Beat it, will you? I don't want you to come... Hey, that's 
I heard... Oh, hello, Julia. Hello, Alice. Uh, how would you like to go to the dance with me tonight? I'd love to. Wait a minute. You don't mind going out with me, do you, Alice? Well, I did have a date with Johnny, but I'd rather go with you. I think you're the handsomest, sweetest, and most charming boy I've ever seen. Oh, I gotta have her head looked in. <laughs> well, we'd better run along or we'd be late for the dance. Hi, on, Alice. Oh, Julius. Well, we'd better hurry. Goodbye, Daddy. Come back here. So long, Pop. Pop! <laughs> Oh, what a sickening thought. Take it easy, Curly. By the way, Mr. Lewis, will you do me a favor? What? Keep Mr. Harris lit in the window. We're coming home late tonight. <laughs> Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. What every home needs is a good, powerful radio. And that's where the new RCA Victor Lindsay comes in. The compact Lindsay is one of RCA Victor's finest table radios. It has an extra-large, built-in magic loop antenna and RCA Victor preferred type tubes. It's an extra-powerful table radio that brings you first-rate reception and even difficult signal areas. So visit your RCA Victor dealer tomorrow. See the Lindsay. Notice the clean-cut modern lines of its beautiful plastic cabinet. Notice the built-in phono jack for your record player, too. Then try the Lindsay. Turn it on and listen to its wonderful tone, made possible by RCA Victor's exclusive Golden Throat Tone System. After you see and hear it, you'll agree that RCA Victor's handsome new Lindsay is your best value in a powerful table model radio. What a wonderful day. Dennis, that is. See the hilarious bachelor adventures of the new Dennis Day, starring on the RCA Victor Show Fridays, NBC TV. Polio, infantile paralysis, respects no age, no race, no creed, no income bracket. It strikes young and old alike, leaving twisted and deformed bodies. So help prevent polio crippling. Give to the 1952 fund appeal of the Sister Elizabeth Kenny Foundation. Thanks, everyone, and good night. Good night, everybody. Included in this program transcribed were Bob Jellison and Sheldon Leonard. The part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. Fresh, long-lasting RCA batteries will help you get the most pleasure from your portable radio. To enjoy year-round portable listening, take your set to your local radio dealer or serviceman first thing tomorrow. Have him inspect the set and check the batteries. If he finds that your portable needs new batteries, have him install powerful RCA radio batteries. They're radio-engineered for extra listening hours. Tonight, Theater Guild on the Air presents Hobson's Choice on NBC. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking.
Welcome to another episode of the 1942-1943 season of the Jack Benny Show. Uh, tonight, Dennis sings at last. And uh, uh, I have my information says he sang it a couple weeks ago, but I was listening to it. I didn't hear it on that episode. He might have sang it there, but I always liked that song. At last. But <laughs> that's great singing, by the way. <laughs> Anyway, I, I do love Dennis's singing. I love Dennis's work on um, Jack's show is is just one of the great things about the Jack Benny show, uh, both his singing and, of course, the part that they've written for him. Um, he, he does a great job of following in Kenny Baker's shoes and making the part his own and enough his own that um, he gets his own series out of it, which is pretty cool that we bring you uh, most Wednesday nights when we actually have an episode available from that week. Uh, this week, we did have one on Wednesday, so I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I think for tonight what I'm going to do, since I'm thinking about Dennis, is I will uh, throw Dennis's interview um, on the end of this podcast. So um, Chuck Shaden does a really nice interview with Dennis Day. So I figured you might want to listen to that. A few people have mentioned they liked listening last week to uh, Wednesday on the Phil Harris show. I had uh, Frank Nelson was the guest, and I had the Frank Nelson interview with Chuck Shaden following that episode. And then uh, on Friday, we brought you Elliot Lewis's um, Hawk Larrabee performance from 65 years ago last week, um, which is fun to hear Elliot Lewis in a in a western and we tacked on Elliot Lewis's interview with Chuck Shaden to the end of that so anyway enjoy Dennis's interview today and enjoy this another great episode uh, from Jack Benny in the heart of the war years of World War II we'll see you next time ladies and gentlemen this is Jack Benny talking and before starting our program, I'd like to remind you that there's still time for you to give generously to your local community chest, a fund which is of tremendous importance to every community every year, since it supplies care for the underprivileged and the unfortunate. In time of war, your local community chest performs an even more vital function, for its funds must now meet the needs of civilians, war workers, and our fighting men. You want to share in this important work, and you can. For there's still time for you to take part in your local drive. Make your contribution tomorrow. Grape Nuts Flakes to you. The Grape Nuts Flakes program, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. <laughs> work with a smile. That's what you want to do, ladies, isn't it? Because the worker who works with a smile works his best. And you can start your man off with a grin if you start him off with a big, luscious bowl full of delicious, flavorful Grape Nuts Flakes. Your favorite Grape Nuts flavor, a delicious, toasty brown flake form. There's something about that malty, rich, sweet-as-a-nut Grape Nuts Flakes goodness. There's something about that distinctive, different Grape Nuts Flakes flavor that start your folks off in high. Yes, sir. There's an outstanding difference about Grape Nuts Flakes because they're made a different way. 
You see, they're a blend of two delicious grains, sun-ripened wheat and malted barley. And grape nuts flakes are toasted to a delicate, crisp golden brown. That's to give them a texture just as swell as their taste. So for a really swell breakfast dish, for a treat that your folks will love to the last crispy spoonful, ask for delicious Grape Nuts Flakes, America's fastest-growing breakfast cereal. Love is played by the orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you a man who turned in his Maxwell to the junk salvage drive last week. That's right. No car now. And this morning came all the way from Beverly Hills on a pogo stick with an outboard motor, Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you. Grape Nuts Flakes again. This is Jack Benny speaking. And Don, Don, a pogo stick is a good mode of transportation, but it's not the one I use today. Oh, uh, well, how did you come to work? On your bicycle? No. Roller skates? No. Well, I give up, Jack. How did you get here? It's simple, Don. I put on my track outfit, bent down on one knee, Rochester untied the goat, and wham, here I am. (laughs) In fact, I, I ran all the way. You should have seen him, Don. He runs like a deer. Thanks, Mary. An old, tired deer. (laughs) Well, I made it. That's all I know. Imagine running ten miles. Why, you must be all worn out, Jack. No, no, I feel fine, Don. You see, I had to stay under 35 on account of my rubber shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, By the way, uh... By the way, Mary, how did you get here? Do you have any trouble? Of course not. I just stood on the corner of Sunset and Roxbury, fixed my garter, and wham, here I am. <laughs> oh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Darn it. Yes, Jack, it might have worked for you, too. You have rather attractive limbs. Well. I've seen better-looking limbs holding up Burma shave ads. <laughs> Word is signs there. <laughs> you got a much bigger laugh on signs. You know? At least, Mary, my legs were good enough to run all the way from Beverly Hills. I think they were trying to get away from your body. Oh. <laughs> Mary, I haven't got my car anymore. I ran to work. Now forget it. Oh, uh, I just can't get over it, Jack. A man your age running 10 miles. Oh, for me, that's nothing, Don. Why, the first job I ever had, I used to run up and down all day long. Up and down. Up and down. My goodness, Jack, what were you doing? I was a grape smasher in a winery. <laughs> I had the bluest feet. Oh, really? Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello, Mr. Benny. Hello, Mary. Hello, Don. Hello, Phil. Phil isn't here yet. Oh, then I'll save it. Mm. <laughs> Say, kid, how'd you get the studio today? It was easy. I paddled here in my canoe. In a canoe? It scrapes a little, but you can do it. <laughs> you can do it. Nobody else. Say, Don. No more canoes for me. I nearly got drowned on Vine Street. What? Dennis, I'd like to find out one thing. How can you get drowned on Vine Street? Oh, it's a lot of trouble. You've got to fall in a manhole. <laughs> Well, that'll do it every time, kid. 
Well, here he is. Hiya, Jackson. Look who I brung to the program. <laughs> well, I'll be darned. He's got his kid with him. Where's the baby's nurse, Phil? Alice won't let her go out with us. <laughs> oh. Isn't she cute? Hello, honey bun. Honey buds, it's your Uncle Jackie. <laughs> What's the matter with that kid? Every time she sees me, she cries. Oh, she's probably jealous because you've got big blue eyes and feet to match. <laughs> Yeah, that's it Why, that's certainly a cute outfit the baby's wearing, Phil Oh, look at those little shoes and those panties Yeah, ain't them dapper diapers? <laughs> oh, they're darling Say, Phil, we've got a long play to do tonight So how about giving out with a band number? Okay, hold the baby Well, come on, take her Okay, I hope she... Oh, well, I'll take a chance <laughs> Now, come here, darling. Come here to your Uncle Jackie. There she goes again. Well, what'd you do to her, Jack? I didn't do anything to her. Quiet. Quiet now, darling. Ladies Quiet. and gentlemen, while Jack is attempting to calm down Phil's baby, let me tell you about America's most distinctive flake cereal. Those toasty brown sweeters and a great nut flake. You will find that Grape Nuts Flakes are a thrifty buy on the big 12-ounce economy size package. And be sure to look for Kate Smith's picture on the box. Well, okay, Phil, let's have your... Kate Smith's picture on the box. Did you say Kate Smith? Why, certainly. Don't you eat Great Nuts Flakes? Every morning, but I eat them out of a bowl, not out of the box. <laughs> Kate Smith. <laughs> Kate Smith's picture. Well, after all, Jack, Great Nuts Flakes used to be her program. Well, it's mine now, and she better get off that box. <laughs> Now, don't get excited, Jackson. Don't get excited? Yeah, I come out all right. I wasn't drowned. <laughs> Who's talking about you? I want my picture on that box. Stop jumping up and down. You think you're back at the winery? <laughs> I know where I am. I'm going to straighten that picture business out right now. You better play something, Phil. Better die right. He better play something. While he's doing it, I'm getting on that phone. Mr. Chapin, the sponsor, is going to hear about this. Hello, operator. Get me long distance. New York. Mr. Chapin, 
But, Mr. Chapin, as long as I'm on Grape Nuts Flakes program, now my picture ought to be on the box. Sure, Kate Smith is a lovely girl. So am I. <laughs> I mean, I'm a lovely fella. Now, look. Look, Mr. Chapin, let's not bicker about it. All I want is a direct answer. Is it yes or no? Not so fast. Is <laughs> anything I hate? It's snap judgment. <laughs> now, look. Now, look. But, Mr. Chapin. But, Miss. But, Mr. But, Miss. But, Mr. But, Miss. Try, Madam. But, Madam. <laughs> Miss! Please. Now, look at it this way, Mr. Chapin. Mothers all over the country are buying grape nuts flakes. And the kiddies ought to have a chance to see a picture of their Uncle Jackie. Ah! Oh, my. <laughs> What's that, Mr. Chapin? Who's trying to get sympathy? That's Phil Harris's baby, not me. All right, think it over, Mr. Chapin, and call me back. Goodbye. Hmm. Well, that's my fault. After all, what can you accomplish talking over a telephone? Why don't you put on your tracksuit and run to New York? <laughs> well, I know one thing. I'm going to get my picture on that box. What box? Oh, be quiet. <laughs> now, let's get started with our play. <clears throat> now, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are going to present our version of one of the most pretentious pictures of the season. None other... <laughs> None other than 20th Century Fox's production of that sparkling melodrama, that sophisticated epic, that dramatic thunderbolt, Tales of Manhattan. <laughs> uh, thank you, crumb cake. <laughs> now this... Now, this, uh, this picture, which was produced by Boris Morris and S.P. Eagle... What's the S.P. for? He came out from New York on the Southern Pacific. <laughs> do, you, do you get it, Billy? Now, this picture, among other great performers, featured such famous stars as Charles Boyer, Rita Hayworth, Thomas Mitchell, Ginger Rogers, Edward G. Robinson, and Charles Lawton all of whom will appear on this program tonight. Gosh, are all those big stars going to be on our show? Yes, and they should be here now. Where's our producer? Oh, uh, oh, Mr. Wells. Yes, Mr. Benny? Uh, did you get in touch with uh, all those stars and tell them to be here tonight? Oh, well, let's see. This is going to be embarrassing. I can just feel it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake, so you forgot to do it. Well, all I can say is, Welch, you're a fine producer. Mr. Benny, in my office at Jung and Rubicum, I have 12 telephones on my desk. So what? If I ever get them untangled, watch my smoke. <laughs> couldn't call him up. He couldn't think of it. Well, what are we going to do, Jackson? Well, well, I'll think of something. Hey, Mr. Benny, I'll bet our play will never top the one Fred Allen did last week. Allen? Oh, is uh, Nasal Hazel back on the air? <laughs> Uh, the last, uh, the last I heard of him, he was at the Mayo Brothers Clinic. Oh, did they operate on Alan? Uh, no, Don. There were so many things wrong with him. They just gave him a good luck charm and sent him home. <laughs> <laughs> well, so much for good news. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our play will go on immediately after. We... I'll take it. Probably Mr. Chapin calling back. 
Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny, this is Rochester. Oh, hello, Rochester. What do you want? Boss, you know that buggy you bought to take the place of the Maxwell? Yes, what about the buggy? Well, I've been trying and trying, but I can't get Carmichael to pull it. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Rochester. With a little training, my polar bear can become just as gentle and easy to handle as a horse. But that bear's in an ugly mood. It's wintertime, and he's supposed to be sleeping. This is war. Let him stay up. <laughs> Now, Rochester, all you got to do is put the harness on him. Speaking of that harness, he had it on me three times a day. <laughs> oh, he was just being playful. Did you put the bit in his mouth? Yeah, and he chewed it up like bubblegum. <laughs> well, that's your fault. If he doesn't behave, give him a good rap on the nose. A rap on the nose? Yes. Help is hard to get now, boss. Don't kick it around. <laughs> Oh, for heaven's sake Well, let it go And tomorrow morning I'll do the job myself Goodbye Goodbye Oh, say, boss Now what? Are you coming home to dinner tonight? Of course I'm coming home to dinner Okay You have to go, honey (laughs) Honey, Rochester Rochester Honey, he can't be talking to Carmichael Sing, Dennis That 
was At Last Sung by Dennis Day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction this evening, the Benny, acting as our meat, but we've been rationed players, <laughs> will present that sensational melodrama, Pants of Manhattan. That's Tales of Manhattan, isn't it, Jack? Of course it is, Don. I was just trying for a gag. I can't know? stand a guy that presses, even if it's pants. <laughs> oh, sit down. Melonhead again. So here we go, folks, with our feature attraction. And as a special treat, I am playing the triple part of Charles Boyer, Charles Lawton, and Edward G. Robinson. This I gotta see. <laughs> You'll see it, don't worry. Take it, Mr. Wilson. <clears throat> Presenting Pants of Manhattan with that all-star cast, Jack Benny. Thank you. If you remember the picture, ladies and gentlemen, the opening sequence presented a tense love triangle featuring Rita Hayworth as the wife, Thomas Mitchell as the husband, and Charles Boyer as the other man. Uh, that is me, Charles Boyer. Oh, pull up your eyelid. Hmm. The scene is the trophy room of the Long Island estate of Mr. Thomas Mitchell, the famous big game hunter. Mr. Mitchell is talking to his wife. Darling, I love you. You can't leave me, do you hear? You can't leave me. I'm sorry, Thomas, but I'm afraid this is the end. Well, what about our children? Our children that I play with every day. We haven't any children. They belong to the family next door. <laughs> oh. Well, that's why they're older than I am. <laughs> it's no use, Thomas. I'm leaving you at once. I know. It's another man. Tell me his name, Rita. Tell me his name and I'll kill him. Like in the picture. <laughs> no. No, you'll never know, Thomas. You'll never know the name of the man I love. Oh, Charles, darling. At last you're here. Rita, my beautiful. Kiss <laughs> uh... <laughs> me. Excuse me, Mr. Boyer. Now, come on, Rita. What's the name of that other man? <laughs> Go away. Oh, Rita, my darling. Uh... <laughs> Close your eyes and kiss me again. How else can I do it? <laughs> Rita, I love you. Pardon me, Mr. Boyer. Now, listen, Rita. I wish you'd tell me who your lover is so I can go out and shoot him. He is a speech. Rita, my beautiful. Does your husband know about M.E.? I don't think so. In fact, I'm P-O-S-I-T-I-V-E. P-O-S... Give me that again, will you? <laughs> well, I must go now, sweetheart. I will see you later. Wait. These secret meetings can't go on any longer. I must tell my husband the name of my lover. Rita, be careful. He has a gun. His name, Thomas, is Charles Boyer. Yes, you might as well know. Uh... <laughs> I love your wife, and she's going away with me. Far, far away. 
How far can you go on four gallons a week? <laughs> that is my worry. Come, Rita, let us go. Oh, no, you don't. Take that. Ooh. I am shoot. <laughs> right in the pants of Manhattan. Charles, Charles, speak to me. You've killed him, Thomas. You've killed him. Oh, everything is going black. I cannot see. Uh, I am dying. Uh, hello? Who? Mr. Shapin? <laughs> What? Very well. Naturally, if you feel that Kate Smith's picture should stay on the box, that is all right with me. What do I care? I am dying. <laughs> dying, I tell you. Dying. <laughs> Another colorful episode in the tales of Manhattan occurred when Mr. Charles Lutt, as a poor but talented musician, received an opportunity to perform at Carnegie Hall. Now, in our play, Mr. Lawton's part will be portrayed by Jack Benny, that eminent. Eminent what? The scene is backstage <laughs> at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> Mr. Lawton is waiting to go on. Mr. Christian! <laughs> Mr. Christian! Where is my violin? Under your chin, sir. And tell me, Mr. Christian, did you sew up the bullet hole in these pants I got from Boyer? I couldn't find a needle and thread, so I put a cork in it. Ha ha ha! Now listen, Mr. Christian. I will walk out on that stage and play my violin as it has never been played before. Hey, what are you going to do, Charles Lawton? I am doing him now! <laughs> For my first number, ladies and gentlemen, I will play the meditation from Taiz by Barney Dean. <laughs> Right in the pants of Manhattan. 
Another outstanding sequence in the tales of Manhattan when was Edward G. Robinson, once a prominent lawyer, but now a Bowery derelict, is invited to a reunion of his college classmates. Mr. Robinson's part will be played by none other than Jack Benny, that talented. Talented what? <laughs> the following scene takes place <laughs> during the height of the banquet when the college men discover that their former classmate is now a bum. Yeah. They invited me to come up here, yeah. You thought I was a businessman, yeah. Well, I ain't, see? I'm just a Bowery bum, see? But you stuff shirts wouldn't understand that. No. No, no, Edward, my boy. I ain't blaming you, Professor Harris. It ain't your fault, see? I can't understand it. You was the most prominent student in my class. <laughs> Why, you could speak everything from Italian to Egyptian. Oh, yeah? Good heavens, lad. Ain't there nothing I learned you stuck in your bean? <laughs> what? Say, which one of you is Robinson? I am, see? And if anybody's around here looking for trouble, I'm the guy that can get it home. Yeah. I'm tough, see? And that reminds me. There's something else I want to take care of right now. Hello, operator. Give me New York, see? New York? I want to speak to Mr. Chapin, the general food, see? Hello, Chapin. Let me tell you something. I've had about enough of this, see? Either Kate Smith's picture goes off that box, see? And my picture goes on, see? Or I ain't waiting next Sunday. Yeah. Oh, for heaven's sake, do you realize who you're talking to? I know what I'm doing. Now get away from me, see? What do you want? I thought I told you to stay away from my wife. Ooh. <laughs> I am shoot. <laughs> right in the pants of Manhattan. Ladies, when you budget your food dollars this week, make a certain that a part of each food dollar goes to the purchase of cereals. Whole grain cereals such as grape nuts flakes. Now, why do I say that? Why, it's because whole grain cereals are a plentiful, thrifty source of food essentials all of us need every day for really robust good health. And you can't do better than choose Grape Nuts Flakes. For delicious, toasty brown Grape Nuts Flakes are a whole grain cereal, so they provide essential whole grain food values, including iron and two of the important B vitamins, niacin and vitamin B1, both so necessary for steady nerves and abundant energy. And that whole grain nourishment is really economical food value, for when you buy Grape Nuts Flakes in the big 12-ounce economy package, it costs you but a penny a serving, a small price to pay for so much goodness. All-around nourishment plus rich, distinctive flavor. So give the folks a swell start for the day. You can do it the Grape Nuts Flakes way. Friends, for hot breakfast with more smiles for mouthful, serve your folks delicious hot Grape Nuts Wheat Meal. It's extra delicious, extra nutritious. It cooks extra fast. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. We're at the home of Dennis Day, whose uh, name is so very well known to uh, anybody who ever listened to a radio program, watched a television show, or um, heard a beautiful tenor sing. How are you today? I'm fine, Chuck. Uh, I guess you're referring to the Geritol set, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, we're talking about anybody uh, who likes good entertainment. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, say, uh, those who might remember radio when I started with Jack Benny, uh, back in 1940, so that's... Uh, was it 1940? 1940, actually. It was when I went with Jack on radio, and I stayed with him. I never 
expected it would last, and I was with Jack for 25 years on radio and television, and associated with him up until he passed away. Uh, so that would be a period of about 35 years. That's a, a long run. That's a long it? run. <laughs> it's been a very wonderful career, thanks to Jack, who made it possible. And, uh, you know, I actually uh, was out of college when I started with Jack. I was only out of college a short while. And I really started at the top, which was uh, quite a challenge to me. But Jack was the one who took the chance. And, well, what uh, had you been doing before you uh, started working? Well, I graduated from Manhattan College, and I'd always loved singing. I was president of the Manhattan College Glee Club, and I had done uh, uh, several appearances on a local uh, radio show with Larry Clinton and his orchestra. I was one of those picked from the about six or seven metropolitan colleges and universities to represent Manhattan College, where I went to school. And I was on the, this program for about three times. Now, after I graduated from college, I intended to go into law school because I thought I'd make law vocation and singing in avocation. I never expected I'd be able to make a living at it. But uh, I was prevented from going into law school because I had an operation. And while I was recuperating, I started singing around local radio shows in uh, New York City. And uh, Kenny Baker left the uh, Jack Benny show, and uh, someone suggested I send over an acetate of a couple of songs I'd done on... Uh, some of the local radio stations on WHN and uh, CBS. So I did, and by good fortune, Mary Livingston happened to hear the record, and she liked the record. She saw my picture and all and brought it to Chicago to Jack. He came in and auditioned me, and that was the start of the whole thing. They gave me a round-trip ticket to come out to California and audition out here, which I did. And then about two weeks before the program went back on the air, after the summer hiatus, mm -hmm. Uh, Jack signed me to a contract. It was a five-year contract with a two-week option. If I didn't make good in two weeks, uh, he had the option to drop me. Then uh, in the first year, it was for every 13 weeks, so they would pick me up after, after the first two weeks for the next 11. Then it was every 13 weeks. And uh, I stayed with him, as I say, for the full mm -hmm. five years. And then I went into the Navy in World War II, spent two years in the Navy. And then when I got out of the Navy, I went back with Jack and I had my own radio show at the same time for Colgate, A Day mm -hmm. in the Life of Dennis Day. That went on for five years, and then I uh, crossed over into television. I had my own TV show for about three years. Weren't you working with Cliff Arquette yes, on we had that show? Yes, Cliff uh -huh. Arquette, uh, Charlie Weaver. Uh -huh. Yes, that's my boy, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, we used to have a great lot of fun, and uh, I'm sorry to see Cliff pass away here last year. But I guess that, uh, as the old saying a good friend of mine says, he's never seen anyone go out of this life alive. So I <laughs> guess right. it has to happen to all of us sooner or later. Jack was a great loss when he passed away because, it, you know, you never thought of him as an older man. Mm -hmm. He always looked so good. He thought so young. He was always uh, full of ideas of what he was going to do, where he was going. Uh, six months before he passed away, my daughter Eileen was married, and we sent him an invitation. My daughter sent him an invitation to the wedding. He wasn't able to make the wedding, uh, the church wedding, but he did come out to the reception here at my home. He said, I'll be there, and sure enough, mm -hmm. he was out here and spent about two hours visiting, and uh, then he had to go to another wedding reception. He was leaving that night mm -hmm. to up to Portland to do a concert, 
and then on to Seattle to do another concert and then over to Spokane. But uh, this man was a very thoughtful, very kind, and very generous man, contrary to the, the character that mm -hmm. he was portrayed as. It was a great loss because nobody thought of him uh, getting ill. You know, there was some talk, talk about him not feeling well. And uh, everyone thought, well, because Jack always uh, took excellent care of himself. He had a physical twice a year. Mm -hmm. And then he was doing a concert in uh, Houston, I believe it was, or Dallas, rather. And uh, just before going out on the stage, he, was, he got a seizure, uh, cramps in the stomach, and his arm went dead. So they thought it might be a slight stroke, but they examined him, and there was no such thing. But actually, what, as a few months went on, they finally found what it was. And, uh, of course, it's very insidious. He had cancer of the pancreas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And fortunately, he didn't suffer very much. He went very fast. But uh, I think the whole nation and the world was shocked when it happened because nobody expected him. Yes, so you, you think know. a man like that is immortal. Yes, yeah. well, he was a national institution. Yeah. I never heard anyone have a bad word to say about Jack Benny. Everyone always loved him. And he was a very kind and very gentle man. This is what's on his tomb. Uh, here lies a gentle man, which, which epitomizes mm -hmm. really what Jack Benny was, a very kind and gentle man. Did you find him that way on that first Jack Benny show oh, that yes, you did? Oh, yes, yeah, because, you know, I was scared stiff. Uh -huh. uh, after all, I'd had no, no great experience as far as uh, singing is concerned with orchestras or appearing on... Here is the top radio show in the whole mm -hmm. country, and everyone was listening, so I was just very nervous and very scared, and, and I think that's what, why they brought in Verna Felton, who played the part of my mother. Mm -hmm. It was a buffer between myself and Jack until I got more confidence mm -hmm. myself mm -hmm. on the show. So they used her in the first year, I would say, about probably 16 shows. And then finally I started to get a little more confidence in well, she myself. Was, she was on that quite a bit over the years. Though, yes, well, they referred mother, to her huh? many times. She wasn't uh -huh. even on the show, but mm -hmm. Jack would refer to her, oh, your mother, you know, and I might say <laughs> something about she wants me to get a raise or uh, she was always, a, a, you know, either a plumber's helper mm -hmm. or a carpenter. She was a woman who could do anything. And uh, he would refer to her many times, or I would. And it, it felt like a living presence was on, mm -hmm. the, on the show. He was partial to tenors uh, before you came Oh, yes, in, he had uh, Kenny Baker, and before that he had, um, well, actually, between Kenny Baker and myself, he tried uh, Michael Bartlett for a few shows. Mm -hmm. Wasn't Frank Parker uh, with Frank him Parker was point? on for uh -huh. about five years when mm -hmm. Jack first started in radio, back in the Canada Dry uh, Ginger oh. Ale, uh, were, were his sponsor at the time. Mm -hmm. Why so, the tenor? Why, why not a... a well, I guess uh, he liked uh, yeah. tenors, and uh, it was good for him, I think, for the characters, too, mm -hmm. that he created. See, Kenny Baker took over Mary Livingston's character, the kind of silly, naive type mm -hmm. of thing, and then I had to perpetuate that same thing after Kenny Baker left the show. So I would talk, yes, Mr. Benny, who, me? Oh, yes, please, and, you know, the... Uh, uh, the silly, naive kid, you know. It's <laughs> like when I went in Chicago, I went swimming in Lake uh, Michigan, and when I came out, everybody on the beach was laughing. And he says, well, what were they laughing at, your trunks? And I said, oh, trunks! <laughs> and we used to have these running things, you know, oh, whatever yeah. it would be, all through the years. And uh, that was the fun part of it. Uh, of course, it was a character that I played, and I guess I was, even though I was born and raised in New York City, mm -hmm. I think the uh, I'd never been west of the Hudson, 
uh, been to uh, Ireland with my aunt, uh, who took me over when I got out of high school. And uh, but I'd never been out west, so I was pretty green, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, behind the ears, uh, I didn't know very much. And I think I was more or less a part of the character that really uh, I portrayed on the Jack Benny show. Well, it was a great character, and um, oh, yes. everybody and enjoyed it. They started uh, taking advantage of, uh, after a while, and when I got more confidence. Of, I used to do dialects during World War II. I used to do Rommel popping out of a tank, and, uh, ah, so, you know, Japanese, arigatou gozaimasu, zoe itashimashite, oh, you bet you. And we do all kinds of dialects and uh, impressions. I did Parker Fenley. Uh, from the Fred Allen, uh, howdy, bub, uh, you know, <laughs> all of these various characters, uh, and then Mel Blanc was on the show. You had a field day with the, with the show, actually. Oh, yes, you, could, yeah. you did a lot, uh, and what was really interesting to me, as I remember those shows and listen to some of them, you, um, you could be as silly as possible yes, on the show. Uh -huh. And then all of a sudden, Jack would say, sing, Dennis. And you'd sing a good song. And you'd and sing, sing Granada or right. into a straight thing. And, and the public would accept yeah. it. Yeah, that was a phenomenon that really, uh, it's, it's hard to explain it, but they did separate the two. The fact that you could mm -hmm. have a, a good singing voice and uh, then play a naive, silly kid, you know, uh, <laughs> kind of stupid in, in a sense. But uh, the public always separated that fact. When you say, sing, kid, and then after the song, yeah. you go back, back into the <laughs> same thing. But actually, all of us, like Rochester, Phil Harris, Don Wilson, we only had about a page and a half of dialogue on the show. But you better believe that it was the best dialogue mm -hmm. that possibly could be written because Jack knew it was good for himself and for all of the characters on the show. No matter how many laughs, he was very happy with all the laughs you might get. And uh, at, when the show was over, many people would say, hey, did you hear Dennis or did you hear Phil Harris on the Jack Benny show last mm -hmm. night? It was still the Jack Benny show because he was the catalyst who manipulated mm -hmm. the whole thing. The jokes bounced off of him. He was the butt of most of the jokes. And we got the laughs, but it's still, he uh, was a genius in that sense. In many cases, a, a show would get well underway before he would even make an appearance That's true, it. yeah. That's very true. And then he had a, a great facility of mentioning something. You know, I wonder where uh, where I put that book or something mm -hmm. like that, or where Dennis would be, or what did he, what whatever's going to happen. And all of a sudden, when we were practically to the end of the show, that would come in in another roundabout way <laughs> that made a hilarious uh, ending to the whole thing. He had that great facility. So he was really, in the early days when I was with Jack, he used to write, uh, work with the writers on all the mm -hmm. ideas and the dialogue and everything else. And then when we'd come in to read, uh, usually on a Wednesday or a Thursday, we'd have our first reading. And after the reading was over, we'd leave and go home. And then they would edit it and tighten it up. And my gosh, every time, that every script would be 200% better once uh, they worked it mm -hmm. over. And Jack mm -hmm. would work. He says, I don't like this, I don't like this, we've got to replace this. Or bring in, you know, new dialogue, mm -hmm. or let's keep this, and this worked fine. But he was a great editor of scripts. This is one of the, the great sense of comedy that mm -hmm. the man had. Not only was uh, an editor, but what a timer, a master timer. He knew how yes. to milk, how long to milk a laugh.
and when to stop when it, he, he had enough or the public had enough the audience and uh, this was a great thing about him and you know now uh, how many other comedians are there around or coming up that have that same facility so it, it was an era mm -hmm. I guess someday somebody will write uh, a book about the era you know that we went through mm -hmm. um, through the 30s all the way up into the 50 the early 50s when radio was in its heyday because all of everything was uh, gone over the airwaves you know it was sound and everyone could imagine what a person looked like mm -hmm. what a situation looked like in their own minds by sound effects and by the person's voice you know people used to think i was a oh i get two two different kinds of um, comments on what I looked like, people who hadn't seen me. They said, well, one would say I was a tall, about six feet, with uh, blonde hair and the hayseed coming out of my ears. <laughs> or the other s would say, well, he's short and fat. And, <laughs> you know, so that, these were the two opposites. But each person who uh, listened to radio uh, formed his own image of what he wanted you to look like or what he thought you looked like or the situation and sound effects. I think that'll be a, make a rather interesting study and an interesting mm -hmm. book. You know, well, that's because the listener participated. So yes, I had he had to supply the picture, and that he had to added and, to the staying power. And the, of and that. the sound effects uh -huh. were all important. I know Jack had a great sense of that. Uh, many a time, where it was a slap in the face. I remember once uh, he was trying to get the sound effect man to make the the proper sound. It just mm -hmm. didn't come, and he kept no, no, that that's not it. And by George. When the sound effect man finally hit it, uh, the right sound effect of the slap in the face, mm -hmm. and Jack says, that's it. You knew instinctively yourself in listening that he was absolutely right. This is a, a tremendous thing. He was very meticulous about his sound effects. Well, you take the vault mm -hmm. that he had, mm -hmm. all those tremendous sound effects with the chains and the alligators, in, which <laughs> created in your own mind uh, what the vault in his cellar was. Uh, it was just amazing. I don't think you can really translate that. They tried, uh, came off very well, but I don't think it had the same impact as it did in radio uh, when they tried to translate, when yeah. they put it into TV. Did you have, um, uh, did you offer any anything to the Benny radio show that uh, that wasn't in the script? In other words, were, was it a likely thing that you, you mean or to Phil or Dennis... Well, ad lib or add add bits of business to well, it that were incorporated. Sometimes into you it. might, you know, mm -hmm. you, but you better be sure that <laughs> you know what you were doing. <laughs> uh, Phil would ad lib quite a bit, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, Jack was a great audience. He just mm -hmm. absolutely, if something was really funny, he'd fall right down on the floor. He was just amazing. You mean literally he would fall on the floor? Well, I, he'd just break up. Uh -huh. I'm I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> everything. He'd just break up uh -huh. and almost throw the script away and uh -huh. just put his head down and laugh and uh, just absolutely say, oh, that is funny. Oh, my gosh, you know, he'd say. <laughs> he'd just, he was a great audience. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but we didn't do very much ad-libbing, you know, because you had a time structure mm -hmm. in there. The show had to be off, and lots of times uh, uh, the audience may laugh a lot longer than we uh, mm -hmm. expected they would. So... You had to get those commercials in. That was the important yeah. thing. And, of course, Jack was the first one to do the integrated commercials way back in the 30s by uh, Jell-O again. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then we went from there to Grape Nuts. And then 
We went into uh, uh, LSMFT, Lucky Strike, Green has gone to war yeah. and all of that. But he always integrated the commercials as part of the program. One show that stands out in my memory uh, was one where the, the sportsmen, uh, this is a storyline, the sportsmen were, um, uh, were getting mad because Jack wasn't paying him enough money. And so it was you and uh, Bing Crosby and I think Andy Russell. Oh, yes, and, yes. And uh, maybe uh -huh. it was Dick Hames. And Dick Hames, yeah. Uh -huh. And that's when Crosby said, who picked this key, Dennis Day? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And then also another time he says, hey, Dennis, you better get down where the money is. Because <laughs> here I was with uh, three baritones. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of fun on those, on those shows. It, it really was, was yeah. fun for the audience, and, and we could listen and feel that everybody on your side of the microphone was having a good time. Yeah, too. well, you went there. You you enjoyed it. You know, you, we didn't rehearse a great deal because mm -hmm. uh, comedy loses its spontaneity mm -hmm. if you do. You know, then it becomes too rote and planned. And Jack didn't want to do that, never rehearsed a, a great deal. You may have one or two readings at most. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, it had that sense. I uh, always uh, got a great charge out of going to the Jack Benny rehearsals and the shows itself because you knew you were going to have fun and everybody did enjoy themselves and there was no uh, animosity among any of us you know we weren't jealous of one another we all got along just absolutely great we all got your star spot on the show that's i mean right. you really got had a good feature that's right everyone got his uh, his mm -hmm. uh, featured spot and you know the material was the greatest mm -hmm. did you have to uh, uh did you rehearse uh, or when you were a show was going on on sunday for example where did, when did it start for you as, as an actor and a singer on the show? Uh, well, I'd start... Thursday or Friday? I, I'd start at least on Wednesday because mm -hmm. I'd have to get with the arranger, pick out the song, talk to Jack and Mary and whatever suggestions they might have as far as the so song is concerned. I'd make my suggestions. Then we'd have to get with the arranger as far as key and the routine, and then he'd have to make the arrangement. Then the next time I came in, uh, for a rehearsal with the orchestra was on a Sunday morning, usually around 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. I got there, and the cast would probably arrive around uh, 11, 30, 12 o'clock. But I would rehearse with the orchestra mm -hmm. in my period of time, uh, usually then, on Sunday morning. And that's uh, after I'd rehearsed once or twice, and that was all, because he'd send the orchestra home. He never, I mean, out. Mm -hmm. uh, Jack would never let the orchestra sit there to hear the, the rehearsal of the oh, comedy. Really? No, because he wanted them to hear it as w for the first time as well as the audience sitting in the audience and the people at home listening to their radios. That's why mm -hmm. he loved, you know, Frank Remley. They always put a, uh, a <laughs> microphone under uh -huh. Frank Remley because Frank was a great audience and he had a, an infectious laugh. Uh -huh. And uh, he'd break up at anything that Jack or any of us would say. <laughs> So you see, they kept the spontaneity there by mm -hmm. uh, dismissing the orchestra. And the first time they heard what was uh, going on as far as the show is concerned, mm -hmm. they'd rehearsed their cues for the bridges and things yeah. like that. But uh, they didn't hear any of the comedy at all. And it was evident. We, we yes, could hear uh -huh. that everybody was really, really with it. It seemed to me that Don Wilson always was... You could almost always hear Don Wilson's laugh. On, yes, on yes. The air. Well, he had a big, hearty laugh. But it sounded, I mean, he must have, he was part of the action in much of it. Yes. And he must have been going through the rehearsal of it, yet his laugh just sounded like he had heard this for the first time. That's he right. Yeah, well, like we, as I said, we, don't, we didn't rehearse it mm -hmm. that, very, uh, that much, so you, it was almost like new to you. Yeah. 
and uh, I think you got all all of us got involved in it and got carried away with it, you know, and enjoyed yeah. it. You that, probably enjoyed the audience's reaction to right. it as well. Yeah, yeah, because many times you didn't know you were going to get that big a laugh, or may, uh, lots of th times you would say, "Well, gee, this should get a tremendous laugh," mm -hmm. and maybe it didn't get the laugh that you thought it would. <laughs> so uh, it was uh, no two audiences ever alike mm -hmm. anyway, you know. Did you have to uh, do a second show? We did in the beginning until mm -hmm. uh, actually uh, we did a second show until after the war. Mm -hmm. The first five years I was with them. We did one for the West Coast and then one for the uh, uh, the East Coast. Mm -hmm. You know, that was at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, which would be 6 o'clock Chicago right. and then uh, 7 in New York. Then we'd come back and do one for the West, entire West Coast at 8.30 at night. So At 8.30? Yes, mm -hmm. 8.30 on Sunday night. And uh, we do that show that, at that time. So it wasn't until after the war that uh, Bing Crosby, I think, was the first one to start it right. with, with mm -hmm. the tape. And uh, that's when we did uh, go. Actually, well, it wasn't taped then. It was acetate mm -hmm. still. You mm -hmm. know, they didn't perfect that. But they started permitting the recording. They of permitted the recording of it and the replaying of it, you mm -hmm. know, so we didn't have to do a live show twice. Did you... Um did you lose this, the uh, surprise element with the orchestra then on the second show? <laughs> you must have. Well, a little bit. Uh, they Jack would change the uh, script slightly. Oh, he would? Yeah. Uh -huh. He would change some of the gags that didn't go, mm -hmm. or if uh, uh, something needed uh, punching up, they would change it. So it was slightly different. So the West Coast might have heard a better show. Yeah, and then yeah. also uh, Fred Allen would come on between the first and the se you know the second show, so we would Jack would have comment about Allen what he said see it uh, oh. on the second show, so that made a little difference too. That was a lot of fun uh, getting yes. involved in all of that. Oh yes, yes, yeah. There was a time when the whole Benny cast. Uh, did a spoof of the Fred Allen show, and I think it might have been in the same period of time than the Fred Allen show. Did they a, did the same, the yes. The same thing. Right, many, uh -huh. uh, It was great fun. Uh, it must have been, uh, it really worked for the audience. It did, yeah, yeah. because uh, Phil, I think he did the Kenny Delmar, you know, mm -hmm. Senator Claghorn, somebody I say, somebody not, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, you did the Parker Fenley. Yeah, uh, and I do the Parker Fenley, yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. When, uh, it was after the war and into the late 40s then, when you... Uh, you got your own show. I had, yes, I started in 1946, and that went through uh, the season of 1951. So I had it for five years, and uh, then Jack continued in radio till 1954, and then they reran uh, a lot of them in, during the, the season of 1955. But then he went on to television. He switched mm -hmm. over to TV, mm -hmm. so I stayed with him until 1964. Uh, on TV when he had his regular show. After that, then he did specials. Now, you had, uh, while you were doing the Benny show, you did the A Day in the Life of Dennis Day, right. and Phil Harris was doing the, I guess it was the Fitch Bandwagon, or at least... Yes, uh, he was doing Fitch, and then he had his own show. The Rexall. Uh, yes. Uh, Rexall Phil and Alice. Phil and Alice, uh-huh. And yes. Jack had no uh, problems with that with you? No, no. Uh... It was understood at the time, you know. So he that's one of the things about Jack. He would come on my show or, uh, you know, to help plug it or anything mm -hmm. like that. And he'd refer to it many times on the Jack Benny show. Oh, you got your own show and all of this sort mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, of course, when he moved from NBC to CBS, Phil didn't go with him. 
and that's when Phil was terminated as far mm -hmm. as the Jack Benny radio shows were concerned, and they brought in uh, Bob Crosby. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and I th he stayed with it until the show was terminated at the uh, 1954. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then in, into TV. Now, once Dennis Day got on uh, television in front of the cameras there, did the, the people who thought that you were... Uh, tall and uh, and lean or short and fat or were they uh, no I never got any uh, how did they react <laughs> I never got any uh, adverse reaction you know they still accepted it that I could be silly and everything else with Jack and uh, uh, it, it it worked out fine that show that you did uh, on TV was that that was an RCA Victor sponsor. I was on my sponsor was RCA Victor mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I was live for the first year and a year and a half and then uh, the last year uh, we were on film, but of course that was a kiss of death. I went uh, opposite, they put me on opposite I Love Lucy, which oh. was the number one <laughs> yeah. show in the entire country. And I just couldn't get a rating at all, and so that was the end of that. And then Cliff uh, Arquette went on with uh, Jack Parr and stayed with him for quite a few years. And then shortly before his death he was on the Hollywood Squares. Mm -hmm. That's right, yeah. Uh, during all of this time, you um, occasionally popped up on the uh, the big screen on uh, the motion picture. Yeah, screen. I did a, a couple of pictures at 20th Century Fox and RKO. And Weren't you with the? Um, was there a Buck Benny movie? Uh, yeah, that was the first one I was uh, on when I first came out here. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, to join Jack Benny, and that was the first picture I mm -hmm. uh, was in was Buck Benny Rides Again. So. Uh, I've had a, a very varied and uh, w wonderful career. What are you doing these days? Well, I do uh, personals. Uh, I'll be going to Anaheim uh, on the 21st of this month, to San Diego on the 24th. Then I've got to go to a fair in Washington. Mm -hmm. And I've got a commercial running for Special K right now. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, I'll be going into Chicago uh, on the uh, 26th to visit... Uh, the craft people and to do a little thing there. So I just managed to keep busy. You went did a little bit of um, uh, theatrical stuff too, haven't yes, you? Yes, I've done theaters, uh, summer, summer theater, a lot of uh, theater in the round. Mm -hmm. I did a whole year with uh, No No Nanette, with mm -hmm. the first national company, with uh, June Allison, and uh, I toured with that for a full year. And I do uh, theaters. Uh, I've done Brigadoon. I played the melody, old melody top in mm -hmm. Chicago and in Milwaukee. So uh, between everything else, I managed to keep quite busy. My wife is in, has an antique and a gift business in Santa Monica. So when I'm on the road, I'm her picker. I uh, oh. I love to <laughs> pick out antiques, you mm -hmm. know, and find little goodies here and there. No, I can't put one over on you then. Uh, you know all about the... Uh, oh, I've been studying. You learn. You make <laughs> mistakes. You know, you really do. But uh, you also find some nice things. That's always been a hobby of mine for mm -hmm. years all mm -hmm. since, since I've been with Jack Benny. But uh, now we're kind of making it a business as well. So it's a lot of fun. You've had a lot of fun all through the years, haven't oh, you? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Keep busy. And of course, I have to when you have ten kids, you know. Ten kids. I've got five married and uh, five at home. I'm a grandfather five times. So, uh, Well, it, not, it couldn't be that uh, that young Dennis Day with the tenor voice, a, a grandfather oh, yes. five times. Yeah, five <laughs> times. So we're all getting old. <laughs> You're Bye, not getting George. old. You just get better, I guess. Uh, 
thank you very much for uh, all of your uh, your radio days and the TV things that you've done. We've enjoyed them, uh, and we've enjoyed chatting with you today. Thank you very much, Chuck. It's been great.